Welcome to the Talking About the Bible podcast. This is Reverend Bob Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. In our previous study, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, where we saw God creating the universe, stars, and the planet Earth, moon, sun, uh, a bigger, kind of a bigger stage than we're going to look at today. Uh, there we have a, a God's name being referred to as Elohim, and God seems a little distant. He speaks things into, into existence. He doesn't uh, seem to really interact much other than to say things, and they're done. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 25, we see God a little differently. Here he is referred to as Yahweh Elohim, or Yahweh God, as we're going to say, see in our English translation, um, a uh, more personal name, a name that's origins we find later on in Exodus, where God asks, uh, Moses asks God what he should call him, what his name should be, and God responds with the phrase, I am that I am, which is, seems to be an origin for the word Yahweh. So let's begin reading from verse 4 of chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from the Lexham English Bible, which is a translation that is uh, put out through Logos Bible software. If you don't have Logos Bible software, I encourage you to look at it. You can get a mobile version uh, with some of the basic basic formats of what you need for Bible software at both the uh, Play Store and at uh, the... uh, App Store and iPhone or iOS. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. These are the generations of heaven and earth when they were created and in the day that Yahweh God made earth and heaven. Before any plant of the field was on earth and before any plant of the field had sprung up because God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no human being to cultivate the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And when God, Yahweh God, formed the man of the dust from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And Yahweh God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and God caused to grow from the ground every tree that was pleasing in the sight of God for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, along with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we have God planting a garden after he has created a man, and he takes and he puts the man in the garden. You can kind of almost visualize that. He's created the man over here on his left. He's created the garden on his right. He picks up the man and he puts the man in the garden. And he gives the man the job of taking care of cultivating the garden. Verses 10 and following says, Now a river flowed out from Eden that watered the ground, and from there it diverged and became four branches. The name of the first is the Pishon. It went around the land of Hava, where there is gold. The land of that, I'm sorry, the gold of that land is good, and Bedlam and Onyx stones are there. 
and the name of the second is Gion. It around, went around all the land of Cush, and the name of the third is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria, and the fourth is the Euphrates. And Yahweh God took the man and set him in the garden to cultivate and to keep it. And Yahweh commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, from it you surely shall die. Then Yahweh said, It is not good that the man is alone. I will make him a helper as his counterpart. And out of the ground Yahweh God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and he brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called that living creature was its name. And the man gave names to every domestic animal and to the birds of the heavens and to all the wild animals. But for the man there was not found a helper as his counterpart. So God is searching for a a counterpart for the man. He's created all the animals and he's brought the animals to the man. The man has given names to them, but they're not suitable to be a counterpart. Now I'm going to tell you, God knew that the animals weren't going to be suitable for to be his counterpart. This is not a surprise to God, but it is something for the man to understand. Verse 21, And Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man while he slept. He took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh around where it had been. And Yahweh God fashioned the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, She is now bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken from the man. The only suitable counterpart for the man was something that was just like him, made out of his flesh, who had the spirit that God had imparted to the man when he created him. He breathed into him and he became a living being. He became a spirit. He became um, an eternal creature in a sense because he had the spirit of God in him. And the animals were not given that. They were not given a soul, for lack of a better word. But the woman was, and she was to be his counterpart. Now, you notice that God took the woman from his side or rib. An old preacher story says that he didn't take and make woman from the heel of man because man would have stomped on her. He didn't take from the man's head and make woman from that because then she would have ruled over him. But he took from the man's side so that they could walk together. Here we have an idyllic view of what the relationship was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. There was God, there was the man, there were the there was the woman, and there was the animals and the garden that the man was to take care of. Now when we step back and we understand that as we read the Bible as people in this century, we're so far removed from the original hearers that would have read it when it was written in antiquity. In antiquity, see, when we would see God as a king, or uh, and as a king, 
A king didn't live in castles like medieval kings did. They would hold their court and visit with their dignitaries and their courtiers in a garden. Castle was dark. Castle was not comfortable. But in the Middle Eastern culture of Egypt or Babylon or Assyria, they would have met outside in a garden. There would have been erected the throne of the king, his courtiers around serving him. And that is what we're supposed to see as going on here. God's kingdom, the universe, has a garden which is its central focus. There he has created the animals as the lowest form, then he and above that he has created man to take care of them. And above that would have been God and his heavenly host. There's a counterpart here in chapter 2 for Adam, for the first man, and it's the woman. Verse 24 tells us clearly that the author of of second chapter of Exodus, like the author of the first chapter of, I mean, of Exodus, of Genesis, as the author of the first chapter of Genesis, wanted to make sure we understood that there is a moral life lesson. At the end of the first chapter, in the beginning of chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it is clear that the seven-day week that God has uh, described as creating the whole universe is so that we understand that the seventh day we're to rest here as a Sabbath, here in chapter 2, verses 4 through 25, we understand that the purpose of this is to understand the relationship of a man and his wife, that they're to be separate and make a family unit. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cling to his wife, and they shall be as one flesh. You know, it's clear here that uh, unlike uh, some of the customs here in the country where I live in Honduras, the desire is for a man to get married and to leave his family and to start his own family, his new, a new family, and that him and his wife are to be one flesh, that to, in the ideal situation, they're to be not only um, united physically in a relationship, but also spiritually and emotionally, that the, the ideal situation was for them to be counterparts to each other. There's no, there's no one person ruling over the other. There is a unity. That was the goal and the ideal as the second chapter is explaining. And it ends in, with verse 25 saying, And the man and his wife, both of them, were naked and they were not ashamed. This is an ideal, innocent, pure garden. In the middle of the garden are those two trees. Can't touch, can't touch, can't eat from the garden. Uh, from the tree of good and evil, but you can eat from all the rest. We'll find out in chapter 3 that this comes crashing down, that this relationship of the garden where God is with man and man is with God is going to end. I hope you'll listen to our next episode where we'll look at Genesis chapter 3. I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you are interested in contacting me, asking questions, maybe uh, having a discussion about this Bible study, I would love to do that with you. You can contact me through my email, which is bob at revbobwood.com. Bob at revbobwood.com. Or you can check out my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash 
Rev. Bob Wood. Hope you have a glorious day.